Hey y'all, I'm your host Shy, and welcome back to another episode on Good Vibes with Shy. It's Motivation Monday where we talk all about the ups and downs of life and jumpstarting our own healing process. If you like what you hear, be sure to tune in weekly, subscribe, and tell a friend. Hey y'all, welcome back. Today on Good Vibes with Shy, we're going to be interviewing Kay and we're going to be talking about character and how that has shaped her life and got her started on her healing journey. So we're going to go ahead and jump right in. So hi Kay, thanks for joining me. Thank you for being willing to participate in my podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Hello. Good morning. Or good afternoon, rather. It's two o'clock. <laughs> Live <It's two o'clock. laughs> <laughs> entrepreneur, right? You don't even look at the time anymore. You're just like, oh, Oh, it's a time that we have to be available. Yeah, just, <laughs> you're busy. It never stops. It never stops. For sure. For so, sure. So, um, go ahead, Jack. No, Sorry. you can go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so, I, you know, I just want to kind of just talk about, you know, where this idea even came from with character and how that's been a part of my healing journey. Just to give you a little bit of background on me and where I come from. I am a military brat. I move me too. Yes, girl. I knew we already had that connection, right? Like, moved around a lot. Don't necessarily have a hometown. I have more of what I like to call a home map. Um, So I am from originally the South. My parents born and raised in Florida, different parts of Florida. I frequented Florida. Um, But, you know, currently right now I'm in Atlanta, Georgia. I just moved from Brooklyn um, about a month ago back to Atlanta. I graduated from Spelman. So, you know, this is where I consider to be home. Okay. Um, Even with that journey, and as you may know, Shy, with the billion military brat, identity is a crisis. (laughs) Seriously. Identity is a crisis being a military brat. Not necessarily knowing who you are or where you come from or what to tell people when they yeah. ask you that question. I always would say, well, I was born in Panama City, but I'm from all over. Oh, it's just so much to say. It's so much to get people to understand because, you know, each part of where you've been or where you have frequented is a part of who you are. Yeah. Right? And I think that's something for me that I had to understand about myself, right? About my identity, about my character, is that I don't have to tell people I'm from one place. I'm from the world. Mm. Globe. Right? How many people can say that they are global, you know, citizens? I, I believe in that, right? Yeah. And so I stand by that and, and, you know, who I am. But my journey has actually led me into the mental health space. So I am a licensed school counselor, I am a licensed mental health therapist. Um, and what I, I tend to do, not only with my kids, but for my clients, for my business, is start them off with what is your character like, right? Who are you? Basic questions. And what you find is that people uh, say the same things. They'll say things like, oh, well, you know, I'm loyal, I'm genuine, I'm friendly, you know, I'm this, I'm that. And I said, that's all great, right? But that has to deal with other people. Mm. You to yourself. Can you say that you're loyal to yourself? Can you say that you're genuine to yourself? Can you even say that you're friendly to yourself, right? Mm. And what you find is that a lot of people cannot do that. <laughs> it is very easy to be this nice, genuine, kind, loving person to other people. But when we need it for ourselves, it's very hard to look at ourselves and hold ourselves accountable to the grace that we should we deserve. Right? Girl, three minutes in and you're reading everybody. <laughs> Are you nice to you? Are you nice to you? Are you doing these things for you and towards you? And if you can't, that's okay, right? But you have to understand that in order for you to be your full self to other people, you got to fulfill yourself. That's what fulfillment is, fulfilling yourself, 
right? Um, so even when we talk about this aspect of healing and social emotional, you know, as a school counselor, we talk to kids about social emotional learning, yeah. right? Yeah. We say to kids, you know, you have to be self aware, you have to have self management, you have to do that responsible decision making, gotta have social awareness, gotta, you know, have that uh, that time management, all of that, right? But the first two key components of social emotional learning, whether people understand this or not, is self awareness and self management. Because there's no way that you can have be socially aware and make responsible decisions or have relationship skills if you don't understand who yourself is. That is right? so true. That is so true. And you don't know who you are. It's so true. Right? And yeah. as a, as a school counselor, I would have all these affirmations on my wall, but I didn't even believe in them. That's so crazy. Like as a school counselor, I had to check myself and be like, "You got all these positive things on your wall and all these self affirming things." but you don't even look at them and read them for yourself. You don't even believe, right. you don't even believe what you put on here and you want these kids to believe. So it right. took me checking myself. Right? Absolutely, absolutely. And that self-evaluation is something that people need to do more often. <laughs> you need to evaluate yourself frequently. As of now, I feel like I'm in a very good, healthy mental state, right? But I haven't always been that way, and there's not. That's not to say that I won't, you know, experience a depressive episode or experience any sort of anxiety in the near future. Yeah. What I do have that it's, you know, I have perfected is how to manage my emotions and understand and accept myself, yeah. and accept my character. Right. Um, one of the things that I, you know, growing up was hard for me to deal with now as an adult is that people would tell me all the time, "Oh, she's so sensitive. Oh, she's so dramatic." Oh, yeah. she's this, oh, she's that. Well, that's true, right? All of that is true. I am sensitive. I am dramatic. I do wear my heart on my sleeves because that's a part of my character. Yeah. Right? And that is nothing that that is intrinsic and it doesn't change, right? So because I'm in certain situations doesn't mean that I'm now going to change my character, because someone is treating me a different way, the circumstances, you know, may be different from what I'm used to. My character is always going to be that, yeah. right? So let me give you an example. I tell this to kids all the time. Imagine, imagine you're walking down the street, right? And this bully that has been bullying you since, you know, the third grade, you're in the eighth grade now, and you see them trip, fall, bust their kneecaps. What are you gonna do? You know, you'll have some kids that say, oh, I'm gonna go help, right? You have some kids that say, man, F that, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's, their that's their business. Right? Ha, ha. And, I've been waiting you know, for this day. That's your issue. That's what you deal with. So I said, well, that's interesting. You know, to those kids that say that they're not going to help. I said, why won't you help? Didn't you just tell me that you were a helpful person? Yeah. Well, they bullied me. So you just told me that you were a helpful person. But you, now you're telling me that this person in need of help doesn't deserve your help. Your Why? help has limits. Your help is conditional. Your help has limits. Your help has conditions. So it doesn't mean that you are a helpful person. That's not your character. You help when the time aligns for it. And that's okay. Accepting yourself is understanding that. Right? Yeah. There are moments that I am not as happy as I always am. <laughs> yeah. Does it take away from my character? No. It just means that there's a blip in my time. But doesn't mean that I'm now going to react differently to other people or people that I don't like or necessarily get along with when I see them turning my nose up or I'm doing... It's not my character, yeah. right? So so everyone has to deal with who they are <laughs> yeah. regardless of what everyone else is doing. 
regardless of whatever whatever what everyone else is dealing with you have to be so comfortable and so confident in your own character that no one else's actions bother you yeah right you know and, and even as an adult when you think about these real life situations i'll give you one i have this um this friend of mine that you know i wasn't particularly banging with here recently <laughs> you know love it or death will always love it right because love is my character but i had to put some boundaries in place yeah and this is what the difference is when we talk about what is our character and what's not our character i'm never going to tell anyone to allow anyone to walk over you i'm not going to tell you to allow anyone to treat you any kind of way you put boundaries in place, right? Mm-hmm. So I know that my character is helpful. My character is loving. But this individual I'm dealing with, a friend of mine that I'm dealing with, cannot, she was not fitting that mold in that time period. She had a lot of other things going on that had her treat me in a particular way. Yeah. Right? My boundary was saying, listen, I love you. But I'm gonna have to back off. <laughs> You're not about to treat me any kind of way, girl. Right, right. I'm gonna have to back off. When you feel like this, you make me feel like this, and that's not fair. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And because we are so close, because she does understand my character, you know what she said? You're absolutely right. Yeah. You're right. I do recognize that when I do this or I feel this particular way, I do take it out on you. And I don't know why. I said, well, girl, me either. <laughs> but I'm not gonna be here for it, right? But you know, I'm gonna back off until you're in a better space, and then maybe we'll revisit this, right? Yeah. But doesn't mean that I'm going to stop loving her, or yeah. I'm going to stop, you know, checking on her and peeping her social media and see what she got going on. I'm not gonna stop doing that. But I'm also not going to allow her to take her emotions out on me because I am her emotional dumping ground. It's not happening. Yeah. Yeah, and that that applies to friends, family, jobs, everywhere. You have to be oh, able everything. to set limits. And I think that sometimes people are uncomfortable with saying or they don't know how to express, I don't have the emotional space for, for this right now, and so I can't talk about this right now. Or I can't be this for you right now. People are mm-hmm. afraid because you feel bad to tell your friend or loved one, like, I can't. I can't hear I'm this right you. now. Trust and then me. that person feels offended that you can't be that listening ear. But it's like, you don't know what I'm dealing with internally. And hearing your drama or hearing the things that are going on with you is eating me up inside because there's nothing right. that I can do about it. And now I also know about your problems and they're on my mind. And I used right. to be a person that would be like, well, you can tell me. You can talk to me about it. And people would be like, you know, I don't want to I don't want to tell you things. They're not your problems. And they're, to, an, to a limit, yes. You know, you can limit the things that you tell people. At the same time, sometimes you do need to get it out. But you also need right. to be willing to understand that sometimes a person may not be ready to receive that. Or they don't, they're not at a place emotionally where they can, they can even be that support for you at that time. And you have to accept that and not take it as they don't care about me or they don't, they're not my true friend because they didn't let me dump it on them. Think about, right. like, maybe they're going through just a hard time as you are. And it's just too right. much to take on your hard time, too. Yeah. Yep. But you know what? That like you said, that goes that transcends from just friendships, that goes to family. And that even goes for yourself, right? Like understanding that you can't take this on right now. Yeah. <laughs> and you should be comfortable with saying, I can't take this on right now. I tell kids all the time, if it is an issue, right? Or that you are setting your boundaries and someone says, Oh my God, well, I just won't talk to you anymore. Well, guess what? You've now recognized that person does not care about your mental status and your mental state. You do not have to let someone else disrespect you to keep the relationship. 
if you're not comfortable and they're disrespecting you and you've tried to give them the opportunity to correct their behavior or you set boundaries and they're upset because you're not letting them disrespect you okay then you're going to have to rethink that relationship and how you're going to handle it and it may look like you don't have a relationship with them at all yeah and it's hard that's so hard it's hard hard to do with people that you with you having a loving and caring personality or just with people that you love in general it's hard to set boundaries with them yeah because you feel like you're disrespectful especially if it's family i'm disrespectful that's where i was going girl it's disrespectful if you do it to your family um because i think especially in the black community it's like if you're older you get the respect no matter what and i can say and do whatever to you because i'm older than you but because you're younger than me i don't care if you're 45 i can still call you fat and you're supposed to just take it exactly exactly. and i can't say i don't like that or don't say that to me because then i'm talking back exactly exactly and that's a no-go it's a, it's a never for me <laughs> <laughs> it's a no for me and that's how mary had a it's little a never for me. you know as, as <laughs> calm in my mental state as i am there are things that i'm like oh please please don't have me return to the person i have once yes removed it's, myself hard. From. it's hard it's hard <laughs> boundaries are hard especially so with people that you love and you care about when it comes to boundaries right especially with family this is something that I've learned at myself, right? Because, you know, as you know, you know, being a, a black woman and <laughs> being in a military family, there are a number of different circumstances that we go through that people do not understand or comprehend. Yeah. So especially with this military aspect of family, um, and, and I'm not sure which family member of yours was in the military. My dad was in the military. Yeah, mine too. Right? Yeah, so uh, my dad joined the military when he was 18. My dad was young too. <laughs> and and as we all know, your brain is not fully developed until you're twenty five. Okay? <laughs> so at the age of eighteen, my dad hopped himself into the military and ingrained himself with military beliefs. Yeah. So when <laughs> when, you know, him and my mom met, right, and you know, they had my sister, I was already around at this point. Um, there were a lot of things that I myself as a kid did not understand, right? I didn't understand they weren't explaining it to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. which caused me to be even more angry, right? Like, imagine being eight years old and living in Maryland, you know, this is where you consider it to be your home, and then your mom gets married, and now you're in Florida, mm. and no one tells you, well, this is what's going on, right? Yeah. And now you're like, all right, I'm about to build my life into this, and now, now I'm in Florida, and now they say, oh, now we're moving overseas. You've only been here for two years, but you'll be fine. Yeah. Right. So there was a whole bunch of things that were going on in the aspect. And so now that I'm older, right, and I do have the mental health background and I do know how to communicate. Communication is the, the hugest thing that I speak about, even on my channel, talking, how to express yourself, right? Yeah. To get people to understand. Communicating with my dad, communicating even with my mom was a struggle. It was a struggle because what they believed, right, wasn't necessarily wrong, but it didn't align with what I believed. Mm. Right. And so a lot of times when we were having these conversations with me growing up and me understanding my mental health, one thing I will say about my mother is that my mother has never shied away from mental health. Right. She got me a therapist when I was 12. Right. One mm-hmm. of those things like, I don't know what's going on with this girl, but we need some. Yeah, help. girl, we are <laughs> twins. We are twins. You're telling me my story. We are twins. My, my little brother, my, we had to go to therapy one time when I was younger and my little brother was like, why are we here? And I said, because of me. 
Because literally, it was me. I'm the reason that we're here. <laughs> but go ahead, because girl, you are speaking to me. But go ahead, I want you to finish, and then I'm gonna, uh, you know, speak to it too. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I, my mother never shied away. I was in therapy when I was 12. I would say that was my first therapy experience. But what I, I would say, what we both talked about, is where she fell short. Is when we moved, she didn't get me another therapist. Mm. Right. When we moved overseas, that was like, all right, well, you know, we're here now, so she's gonna have to deal with it. So it's a lot of things in my high school career. I was still battling, right? Yeah. Acceptance from my own family. You know, a lot of people that know me uh, in and out understand this, but the person I call my dad is not my biological father, right? Like, Girl, has been in my life. Please, <laughs> right? raise me. He adopted me. I have his last name. That is my dad, honey. Can't nobody tell me different. Yeah. You understand? But growing up as a kid, that was still something that I was battling. Like, wow, this man just stepped into our lives, you know, and married my mom and taking care of us and doing what a father's supposed to be doing. But like, where is my father? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, and then so it's 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 on this. I feel like I'm getting on tangent, but I need to say this point. No, girl, go one, ahead. It was one of those things where you're like, am I ungrateful? Yeah. Am I ungrateful for feeling like I want to know why my biological father didn't have any aspects of my life mm. and not, you know, taking heed to this man that is in my life, that is doing what's supposed to be done by me? Am I am I wrong for that? Right. Mm -hmm. And then at, at one point, it's like, but me and him don't even get along that well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I like, like you that much. I but why like, did you do this? Right, like I love my dad. I love my dad. I love my family and my parents, and I would never trade them for the world, right? Yeah. But when I was growing up, I was like, we were cool, right? Like we were good before you got here. You came, and I was all these rules, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. What moving. even is this? With <laughs> so much, and you now look. Now we're moving, and now you done came from deployment. Get, impregnated my mother and left again yeah. so each and every time you come back there's another child and you're gone right like yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was it wasn't making a lot of sense to me and so you know being put in that situation from a young age and now you know helping out my family in a role that is more than just being a big sister right mm -hmm. and then everyone has admitted this there's a lot of responsibilities i had that i probably should not have had at the age of 14 right because mm -hmm. i had two very young siblings i had my little sister that was elementary school my brother that was in daycare right but i had two full working parents my dad was either deployed or working overnights and my mom works for the government so i had to step up and do that kind of thing right yeah. so growing up now i feel this sense of obligation to everyone yeah right yeah i am so obligated to make sure everyone's okay make sure my boyfriend is okay make sure my friends are okay and if they need me i be available yeah. i have to you know be, have my my doors open my phone cannot you know go untouched yeah yeah and now what i've built for myself is overwhelming anxiety that i struggle with getting out of yeah right so so putting those boundaries in place and understanding that everyone in my life did the best that they could do mm -hmm. even even i'll tell you even my father yeah yeah. My biological father did the best that he could do. Yeah. The best thing that he could have ever done for me was leave me alone. Yeah. And I think about that. Because right? he maybe didn't have anything to give. He had nothing to offer. And even though as kids we're like, I just wanted your love, he maybe yeah. he felt like that's not enough. 
You yeah. deserve more. And I'm not yeah. saying that it's right, but maybe that's how he felt. You know, and it's one of those things, it's like, you know, I, I was listening to the Red Table Talk one day, right? You know, Jada yeah. Pink's thing. Um, and she was talking about her father, and there was I think her brother was on there. And they made the comment, they said, you know, I had to realize that my father was just living his life. He did not wake up and decide that he wanted to be a father. Being yeah. a father was something that happened. And it, it blew my mind because I was like, oh, my God, that's what happened. My mom wanted to be a mom. Right. My mom wrote in her high school yearbook that she wanted her first child to be a daughter. And boom, here I am. She wanted that for herself in the high school yearbook. That's crazy. In a high school yearbook. See your yearbook. Right. The ending closing statement. I want to have a daughter. (laughs) But I think that's also because as black women, I feel like those are the goals that have been like get a husband and have kids. Like those are the goals that you are told to set. Now, don't get me wrong, uh, college was always uh, something that I had to do. It wasn't really military college, but it was still like, I think that ultimately the woman, your only expectation is to be a wife and a mother. Oh, yeah. But uh, we'll we'll go a whole chance to talk about that, gender roles and all that. But that's (laughs) everything that you're saying is like, I identify with because the, the crazy thing about being a military cook kid, it's cool. I've been all these places, but there's negatives that come along with it. It's Absolutely. you have haters because my fun fact was always, oh, I lived in Iceland, Italy, and Japan, and people would literally roll their eyes. Oh, you live yeah, like, why yeah. are you mad at me that I live these places? Like, I thought that was cool. I'm not trying to brag. I'm not a bragging person at all. So I'm like, right. I'm not trying to brag. I just thought that like you said a fun fact. Like I, that was a fun fact. Like that's cool. Right. That's something that everyone's not gonna say. So mm-hmm. that came with it. It came with not knowing your identity because you're always moving around. Like, you know how people will have those childhood best friends that you grew up with your oh, entire yeah, life. Buddy. You don't have those lifelong friendships <laughs> because like, you know, you do from a distance, but it's like, yeah. it's those experiences that you miss out on growing up with your family, being the outsiders of family because you weren't around. Um, and it's just, it makes it, it makes it hard. And like you also said, like my stepdad, he came to my life when I was one and a half years old. That's my dad. Mm-hmm. He raised me. Here, That's here. my dad. Yeah. Um, my real dad, he is my life. I used to go every summer until I was 16. Um, and then at 16, I wanted to work. And so I stopped going after that. And our relationship changed over the mm-hmm. years because of things that happened. But I, um, my stepdad, he did everything for me. You know, he stepped into the plate. He raised me as if I was his own. And the thing is that someone had to point out to me is that I had daddy issues that I didn't even realize it because I, I, had, I, had to, I had to check myself and say like, how are you saying you have this man that did all the things that a dad should do? He went above and beyond for you, but you're still mad at the man who did it. Absolutely. How are you still you mad know, at him? That's okay. And, and, and I had to be like, you know what? Okay. I'm understanding this now of myself. And then it was also had to do with like, I saw the relationship that my biological dad had with my little brother that was there and he worshiped the ground that he walked on. And I'm like, dang, that's crazy. It was like, I was envious, not jealous, but envious. Like, I wish I could have that too. Not like, how come you gave that to him and not me? But it's like, I I want that too. Like, I wish we could have that because we're similar, but he doesn't even know it because we don't have a relationship. Um, And like, as an adult on the, recently within the past two years i've seen him twice and just in being with him for those weekend or that amount of time that i was there it was like in talking it's like we have a lot of similarities that he doesn't even know about because he doesn't even know who i am as a person 
But I ended up sending him a text message prior um, to me seeing him this last time. And I was just like, you know what? I'm deciding to forgive you. I'm not necessarily ready to talk about what I'm ready to forgive you for. But I realized that in order for me to move forward, I have to let this go. Like, I think that parents do the best that they can do, given the circumstances. I think parents mess up a lot because they're not willing to say, I don't know what I'm doing. Because I'm 29, and I don't know what I'm doing. So I'd be like, how did my mom, how was my mom married with a whole family at this age? Right? That's, uh. So I'm like, I'm starting to understand now, like understanding uh, being an adult has made me have more understanding of why people make the choices that they make and the decisions that they made. And just like, I didn't know who I was. So how am I going to teach you to be who you are? Where it's like parents think that they're supposed to teach their children to be who they are. But it's like, don't teach them to be who they are. Maybe teach them to be a good person or do right by people, good morals and values. But you don't have to Mm -hmm. teach them to be who they are. Let them be who they are. Absolutely, absolutely. Girl, we are in tandem because I just spoke to my father last month for the first time since I was 16. Mm. Um, and it was, ooh, it was such a powerful moment for me. And I, let me tell you, the conversation was real brief, honey. We didn't talk that much. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the situation was I was moving from New York, right? And I, I drove down to Atlanta. Me and my dog packed up all my stuff, um, and I usually stop um, in Maryland to see my grandma before, you know, I leave. My grandfather uh, passed a couple years ago, so, you know, trying to make sure that I keep that connection alive. Um, And she calls me, and she says, well, I know that you're coming down here, uh, but your father's in town. I said, well, I will see you another time. I will see you another time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, and she's like, sorry, know. can't make it. You know, it's all good. She was like, I don't want you to be uncomfortable. She's like, that's why I told you. I said, no, it's fine. And I literally hung up the phone and I cried. Cried, cried, cried. Because I'm like, wow, I'm really about to let my non-existent relationship with this man stop me from seeing my grandma. Yeah. It's yeah. going to stop me from seeing someone I love. And let's just be honest, that is my grandma. She ain't got that much time left. Right. And so I, I, I really had to sit back. I called my mom. I called my uh, my best friend. I called my boyfriend. And everyone's like, well, you got to do what's best for you. And I was like, all right, well, no one's giving me the advice that I need. So I guess I need to sit here myself <laughs> and make your own decision, out, you know, figure out what I need to do. Right. So I, I prayed. I talked to God and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go. Right. Lo and behold, as, as I was driving down there, she said he left. I said, Oof, thank God. right. And I get there and, you know, um, I am number four on my father's side. There's mm-hmm. a no 14 of us. Mm. We don't know if there's more, right? They, they kind of pop up never so often. <laughs> and, you know, he can't tell us how many they are, so we don't ask. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm number four, and, and, and my older siblings used to have a relationship with my father. They don't anymore um, for their various reasons. So I'm sitting down, and I'm talking to my grandma, and he happens to call her on FaceTime. She's talking to him, but she's kind of like moving the camera so she can't, you know, he can't see that I'm here, mm-hmm. right? And it's like God said, grab the phone, talk to your mom. I'm like, man, for real? You really about to make me do this? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> because I realized something. I'm not completely healed. I am in a great mental state. But this this aspect of my father, I almost refuse to deal with. Yeah, yeah, because I was like, I'm cutthroat. Like, I just don't want to be, I was a person like, if you wrong me, I'm done with you. And I'm like, you know, you're done. You are done. Yeah. But you, but you get solid right for me. When she said he was in town, I was like, oh, the trip's done died. I'm not coming. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So 
You know, I hear, I literally heard God say, talk to your father. And I'm like, God, come on. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to have a good day. But, you know, I grabbed the phone and I said, hey, Antoine. He says, oh, my God. Hello, my daughter. Right? Shows me his wife. Automatically knew it. I said, all right, bye. <laughs> and on back to my grandma. But that one little brief interaction, I exploded. I was crying. My grandma is crying. If anyone knows anything about my grandma, my grandma is not a crier. Yeah. Okay, my grandma is a dealer. She deals with things. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't feel things, right? Mm-hmm. So my grandma's crying. I'm crying. And she and I told her, I said, Grandma, I'm sorry. I felt bad. I was like, I'm sorry. I know you probably wanted me to, you know, say more. She's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> if God let it on your heart to do just that, that was enough. Yeah. That was enough. You made the first step. It was softening you up a little bit. It's like, hi, bye. Yeah, it was enough because for me, I was like, wow, I made that step. I made that step. No one forced me to make the step because years, you know, for years, people were saying, you got to talk to your father. You got to say something to him. And you know how we get. Why am I talking to him? Yeah. Yeah. Why is he reaching out to me? Why is he calling me? Definitely. Definitely. I I totally, I totally get that. I totally get that because as being, my birthday is Christmas Eve. So oh. I would be like, my birthday's the day before Christmas. You couldn't even call me to say Merry Christmas and Happy Birthday because my mom was exactly. making me send cards. She was making me call. Like, I was doing all that for his birthday. But my cards that would come in the mail were with my grandmother's handwriting on them. Oh, signed absolutely. for him. Oh, you already know. And I, and I right knew here. it. <laughs> and, and I was like, I was so, and then even as I moved out because, you know, what was expected of me and what had been taught and I was so dependent, mm-hmm. I was still sending him cards every year. Still, but you oh, know what? Wow. I would send the dad who raised me, I would send him heartfelt cards that meant something. I'm a card giver. Everyone yeah. knows me. Yeah. My cards mean something. I read them. Right. If it says, oh, we're the... No, that don't apply. Uh-uh. So, mm. but for my real dad, for my biological dad, I would always mail him funny cards. Because it was like, I don't really have anything nice to say. So I would always just send him... A, I would literally be like, have I sent him this funny card before? But then one year I bought him a card and I didn't mail it. Because I was like, you know what? He never sends me a card. He wouldn't even sign his name on a card. And I would be so upset with him about it. So I, like... I would do spiteful things in an effort. I Now I'm admitting I would do spiteful things in an effort to try to make him try, and it did not work. I would mail Father's Day cards to my grandparents' house so that my grandpa would get a Father's Day card, and I knew they were going to be up on the mantle. He was getting birthday cards and Father's Day cards and Christmas gifts. He, I knew they were going to be up on the mantle, and I knew he was going to see those cards, and I yeah. wanted it to spark him in and be like, dang, my child's sending my dad a card and not me? But it didn't. He would, he would, I would call my grandma's house and he would answer the phone and I'd be like, hey, can I speak to grandma? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't even acknowledge him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She would answer, oh, your dad's here. Okay. Like, <laughs> I was, I was pissed off. But then this yeah. last time that I talked, I saw him, I was talking to him and I was telling him, I was explaining to him. And then ultimately what I came from was like, he didn't know what was going on just like I did it. Right, right. Like, I can't right. be mad at him for him not knowing. Him not, and you know, parents, I think where parents make a mistake is that they don't explain things to kids. Or they, oh, they kids, sometimes things. kids need to know the why so that they won't be so upset. Absolutely. But parents feel like it's not your business or you don't need to know or you don't understand. But it's like, I'm, I'm feeling all of this, but you're mm-hmm. giving me no explanation as to why this is going on. Exactly, exactly. I literally said to my parents when we were having this conversation about my upbringing, I said a lot of things could have been stopped if you just sat and explained to me what was going on. 
right? And I know a lot of times, you know, parents make decisions very quickly. They do things because it needs to happen. But certain things kids need to understand, right? I need to, I needed to understand why I was moving. (laughs) I needed to understand what that looked like. And I needed it more with more than this is just what we have to do, right? I needed someone to talk to me. I needed someone to to talk to me about family dynamics, right? And how a blended family works, right? And I think a lot of times, even when parents make decisions, they do make it out of the the best intentions, right? But it's not all the way thought, thought, thought through. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My I would say that my parents <coughs> excuse me. My parents didn't consider the identity crisis they had put me through when they removed me from Maryland and put me in Florida, right? Yeah. My family was in Maryland. My my biological father You're everything. Everything for me was So you ugly. lose all of your happiness for your mother's happiness. Not saying that that's how you looked at it, but essentially is right. what happens. Uh, essentially, it, it, you know what? I won't even say that it was for her happiness, right? My dad's mom was sick. He had can- she had cancer, mm. right? So his his only intentions of moving us to Florida was to be closer to her, yeah. um, you know, before she passed. And while I knew she had, was sick, right, when I talk about the identity crisis I went through, you removed me from the family that I knew into his family. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. At that time, my last name was not theirs. My last name was different. I still had my biological father's last name. Yeah. So I remember pettiest thing alive. And we talked about being petty. <laughs> pettiest thing alive, right? I used to do this thing when I was a kid. I used to, I'm, I'm creative now, right? It's probably where it's far from. I used to draw like signs and just little stupid crazy stuff, right? So the room that they gave me, right? I made a sign that said, welcome to the life home and the wood folk, because that was my last name. <laughs> Put it up on the door. <laughs> Close the- Girl, that last name Y'all thing is so. That last this name is thing is my so, dad's family house. Okay, <laughs> this is his family. His dad, his mom, his three sisters, and his brother, and their you know. I'm not one of y'all. Ruining this house. <laughs> I want to let y'all know that. Let y'all know I'm here, right? So I remember my dad's. I never forget this. My dad's youngest um sister. You know, his uh, my aunt. Essentially, I'm not gonna speak to her that much anymore. Um, she comes in and she says, Kayla? I said, Veronica. <laughs> Who do you think you are? Yeah, I, was in, I was in the sixth grade. Veronica. <laughs> she says, are you okay? I said, I'm fine. She says, are you sure? I said, uh-huh. I just want everyone to know what my last name was because everyone keeps talking about the life house of the life. That's not my last name. And my mom overheard that conversation and was like, oh my God. She's like, you know, you're a part of this family, and I just cried. I said, no, I'm not. No, yeah, I'm not. that's a that's a that's something that people don't even realize. I my my um my dad he wanted to adopt me, but my biological my biological father said no way. But that last name thing, like when my dad would sign me up from sports, he would put his last name on it. Like for stuff that wasn't like official, he would put his last name on it. But it was still one. I'm the darkest, right. even though it's not that big of a difference. My mom is yellow. And my dad is, uh, I'm brown, but he's lighter. So I'm the darker kid and I have a different last name. So that in itself, I I don't have the same last name, which people may not know that off rip, but I don't look like you guys either. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I look like my mom, but you know, and people would say that I look like my dad. I'm like, we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. He would always be like, yeah, once you feed them long enough, they start to look like you. But yeah, inside, my dad would say the same thing. <laughs> and inside, though, I felt like I'm the darker one out of the family, so I don't fit in, and I don't have the same last name. Yeah. I, so it, it ate me up inside, and people didn't. People, I don't think that people realize that as that outside kid, that feeling of just the last name. It's big. That that it has on you. And, it has and, a huge impact. Now imagine, my dad didn't just move me, you know, to into his parents' house. He also had me go to his same elementary school. Where everybody same knew them. Where everyone knew him. You know, he went there. His siblings went there. His mom taught there. Right? So here I come, right? And I'll never forget. I, we walk into it. He's trying to register me. And they say, oh, my God, Lamont. Nice to see you. How are you? You're your daughter. Your daughter? How old is she? Mm. And my dad very sternly would be like, she's my daughter, right? Yeah. Because for him, you know, military man, all that other semantics don't mean nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is my child, Yeah. right? You will enroll her, and this is what's going to happen. I was in the fourth grade when this happened. You will enroll her, and it'll be fine, right? And But I remember something looking at me and trying to question my age, Right with my dad's age, my dad is younger than my mom, mm. fairly young. I think that I think he's maybe like seven years. They're seven years apart or so. Mm. Right. So they're like, wow. So you had her when you were. Don't do the math. Enroll my child. You know, right? And but as a kid, I'm looking at people try to calculate in their head. Yeah. <laughs> how I'm not supposed to be here. Yeah. Right. How how none of it makes any sense. How this kid that they grew up with, right? Because you you know we work in school system. Teachers don't leave schools. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They my art teacher in high school knew all of my my mom is the baby of eight she knew all of my aunts and uncles and my mom's best friend and so and so it's like the people who were there when my mom went there and graduated in 90 were there when i got there in 2006 i'm like wow y'all really stay here that's nuts but <laughs> crazy you know I, I i think about stuff like that so as i'm i'm growing up and i'm maturing right and i'm you know uh, thinking about how i was raised and how i was upbringing i didn't have a terrible childhood right I, I, I was privileged in enough different ways, right? But there's still things that I dealt with that as an adult now, I'm not, not necessarily questioning myself, but realizing this is some, some really deep down suppressed trauma. You lacked emotional I support. With. I think that yeah. as military kids, we're awarded all these different experiences. And so it's like, you had this and you had this, and you had this. And I would always be like, I'm grateful for all of that. But now as an adult, I'm like, there was so much trauma outside of the nice things that I had and the cool things that I did. Oh Emotionally, I had nothing, you know? Mm-hmm. And and I'm not that saying that that was intentional and that was their, they, the, I don't think that's what they were trying to do. But I think oh. as I got older and I realized how some of the things played out on the outside, people would be like, you got this and you did this. And it's like, yeah, but that don't oh, matter. Those are things. We moved back to the States and I was a senior in high school, we moved back to the States, right? And, you know, I remember telling people that, oh, where you from? And I'm like, God, here we go again. Well, I was like, <laughs> again? You know, like, and so the, this perception of me living in Italy, people thought I had so much money. Oh, girl, I lived in Italy too. <laughs> you know, like, I, I was in Italy for three years. I was in Italy for three me years. Me too, sixth, um, seventh, and eighth grade. <laughs> That's amazing. What part of Italy were you in? Um, my dad was stationed at Aviano Air Base. Oh, Aviano. Okay, I was in Naples. Okay, okay, okay. Oh, Naples is where everybody wanted to be at. Mm-hmm. 
Naples. <laughs> and I played basketball, so I definitely played the Ivy on the high school team. Remember them dearly. That was our rivals. Um, but, <laughs> you know, a little segue. <laughs> Back into the glory game. But, um, you know, I, I think about all these experiences now, and, and now that I'm speaking to my mom and speaking to my dad, and, you know, we can have this kind of just candid conversation about, you know, just life, right? One of the things I realized about them, and I'll, I'll tell this to your audience too, is that understanding that your family members are humans is important. Mm-hmm. Understanding that your mom, your dad, whoever raised you has feelings and emotions just like you, oh, your whole perception on dealing with them will change. Right? Yeah. I used to get upset when my mom would not answer the phone for me. Because if I was calling my mom, I needed to talk to her. Yeah, like, what are you doing other than being <laughs> right? available for me? What are you doing? <laughs> you but but, but we said earlier call. that we're sad that we're always having to be available and dependable for other people. But yep. we expect other people. That's the culture, though. Yep, yep. And I realized one day, I said, wow. My, I, answered, I called my mom one day on FaceTime, and she literally was visibly depressed. Mm. Visibly, I could see it. I had never seen my mom this way before, like laying in the bed, slumped in the bed, right? And if anyone knows my mom, she's very type A, very much so busy body all over the place all the time. Yeah. But looking at her and her and her depression, I had something that I was dealing with that I need to speak to her about, but it hit me. I was like, wow, I've never just called my mom and asked how she was. Mm. Or asked how her day was, right? Or, or what she's dealing with. And from that moment when I saw that, I felt so bad. And I told my mom, I said, Mom, what's going on? And she talked to me about some stuff she was dealing with. Um, and a little bit later, I was like, Mom, I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm sorry. She's like, what are you sorry for? I said, I, I just, it just kind of dawned on me that the same reason I don't like people calling me and just dumping their issues and hanging up the phone is what I do with you. Mm. And she's like, she got to laugh. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> she's like, yeah, you do. And I was like, mom, you know, you're my mom and I love you. But, you know, I want to know what you're dealing with. Like, I want to know, you know, how you are process your emotions. And from that, I'll tell you, our relationship has changed so much. Because me and my mama used to go at it. Okay? <laughs> we used to go at it. But now that I'm talking to her more of like a, a, a human right talking to her like she is on on not on the same level because you know our family would, i'm not your little friend yeah. right but talking to her on that friendship level like hey girl how you doing what's going on with your life right how's work how's you know how's the marriage how's the kids like stuff like that i now realize wow there's a lot of aspects of my mom i never knew about until just now that i'm adult i'm an adult and now the way that she responds to things, the way that she processes things makes a lot more sense of why things were dealt with the way it was when I was a kid. Do you think right. that your mom accepts who you are and respects who you are as a person and that's why you guys got get along so well? I do think that my mother has gained a level of acceptance of me. Okay. Because I feel right. like I'm in that battle now where I'm trying to explain to my mom and I'm trying to break things down for her and it's like I'm always using the counselor hat trying to give her real life scenarios yeah. and explaining it to her but sometimes it gets overwhelming because I think that sometimes people take when you're um, explaining to them their actions and they admit that they've done it they take it as a personal attack on their character versus I actually did this and this is how it is affecting that person it's like I'm not a bad person but it's like that's not what I'm saying so with right now I think that 
um, my parents, mostly my mom, is struggling with me being an adult with my own mm-hmm. mind and my own opinions and my own thoughts that don't necessarily always align with what she thinks. So I think she's always like, you just don't like it because I like it. And it's like, or I just don't like it because I don't like it. I don't and, like it. <laughs> you know, and so I think it's like we're constantly battling about her not liking who I am as a person, you know, ultimately me not being allowed to be who I am because it doesn't align with her dreams. And I think that wow. mothers have a dream for their children. They always hope, especially my mom had me at 19. I, I think that my mom dreamed of this life for me. And because what I'm doing is not aligning with her dream, not saying that she doesn't, you know, approve of what I'm doing, but I'm saying it doesn't align with what she thought it would look like. It's kind of hard for her to right. let go of that vision that she had for me and be like, okay, this is who she is. This is what she's doing with her life. I'm going to accept her for who she are, who she is, flaws and alls. And I think that, um, and I don't know if this is across the board, but having that unconditional love is something that I feel like I've never experienced because it was like, I love you, but you need to do this and you need to do this and you need to do that and you need to do this. And so because I felt like I've never experienced and my mom may disagree. She may feel like I gave you all that I had, but to myself, I don't, I felt like the love had conditions so I of felt course. like it made me love myself conditionally. Mm-hmm. I think that your experience with your mother is what I was experiencing with my dad, right? My dad that raised me, my dad, right? Um, there is a lot of things. If I was if I was to speak of my mom for a second, my mom and my dad both had a hard time accepting who I was, right? But like you stated before, I'm pretty headstrong. Yeah. <laughs> so things that I want to do, oh, baby, I'm going to do it. Yeah, which is a battle. I'm more so just putting you on notice that I'm doing it rather than asking you if I could do it. Yeah. Right? And my parents had to understand that about, about me, right? It did take a while. It took a while for my mom to accept that I am not the prim, prissy, twirl your yeah. hair yeah. kind of girl. I'm right? a free spirit like little weirdo. <laughs> You know, not who I am, right? I I'm, I can do away with the pink. I'm good on it, right? Like that kind of thing. But, you know, my mom has a different level of, of emotional awareness and capacity than my dad does, mm. right? So one of the things that my dad said to me recently um, when I told him that I was moving from Atlanta, I'll tell you, I do things very quick. Right? Yeah, me too. My parents always like, you're so impulsive. But it's like, once I make up my mind, I got to do it. I just did. Right, exactly. But here's the thing they don't understand, right? I just told you about it. I've been thinking about this for a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I tell I've been mapping it out. I've got my plan. And now I'm just letting you know. And now they're like, wait yeah, a minute. We didn't discuss this. I'm moving this. on it right now. Now we, I'm moving on it. Yeah, we didn't discuss no. this. I, I, I'm i not asking you. I'm telling you. I already mapped yeah. it out. Well, yeah. let's discuss. Yeah. No, there's no discussion. Bye. I'm out of here. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story, right? That, uh, there's two stories that connect with one another. So I was going to do this on my TikTok later just to kind of give an impact on standing your ground with who you are, right? Mm-hmm. So I told you I graduated from Spelman. Um, when I went into Spelman, I was a bio major because I wanted to do forensic science. Mm. Realized that sucked. I didn't want to do that <laughs> anymore. But right? then at that point, switched my major to computer science because I, my dad, it was an IT in the Navy, right? And so I grew up around computers, very, very handsy with computers now. Um, um, and even to that day, but then I switched my major to that and realized that was boring. And I didn't want to do that anymore, right? Mm-hmm. I realized that I love computers, right? But the 
the aspect of me sitting at a desk all day and only doing code was like, no, yeah. I can't do that. I need to be some, do something more active. I've only ever held a job working with kids. I had my first job um, working at a daycare, um, my little sister daycare when I was 12. That woman, I was volunteering at first. She put me on payroll, and that was my start of my passion. Right? Mm. So it dawned on me leaving that summer. I think it was my sophomore summer. I went to a work at an overnight summer camp, and I had a blast, honey. I had the best summer of my life, and I had no <laughs> cell phone, no technology, no nothing. I was just around kids. That's I was around incoming freshmen. They were going into the ninth grade. It was a leadership camp all the way up in the mountains of Georgia, baby. We were getting chased by possums and deers and all sorts of stuff. But I had the greatest summer of my life. And then when I left, I was like, wow, why am I not majoring in education? Mm. Right? Then yeah. I go home. And I tell my parents, I sit them down, I say, all right, y'all. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Changing my name. <laughs> They say, what? What are you changing your major to now? I said, education. Oh, baby, the whole house flipped upside down. Education? Like When I said psychology, uh, that doesn't make any money. It, yeah, uh, but that's what I'm day. interested and in. And so I literally, I'll never forget this. My dad and I were, I was standing in the corner. My dad comes and talks to me because, you know, everyone was upset about the change my major. Same things. They're like, you have, an ex- you have an expensive taste and expensive lifestyle. Teachers don't make that much money. I said, listen. I'm going to make money doing this. I don't care what y'all got. But I'm going to do this, right? Mm-hmm. I remember my dad sitting me in the corner. He says, you know, I know that you love kids and I love kids too, you know, but my job is to work with computers and I do, you know, the coaching on the side as a hobby. I said, why would I do something as a hobby that I love? That yeah. makes no sense. Yeah. Right? And I remember telling my dad straight to his face, I say, I watch you and mom come home every day, annoyed, irritated, aggravated, angry, at your job, then you're angry at yourselves, then you're angry at us. I don't want to live my life like that. Yeah, literally, I tell I'm my parents. Wake up, and then y'all go to sleep, and and you feel do it the same all over again. Wake up, you got an attitude because you got to go back to that same place. I don't want to live like that. Yeah, yeah. And it's- I told myself, whenever I woke up and didn't want to go to work, I would quit because I don't enjoy it anymore. And then I work with kids, right? And so that was my first time really looking my parents in the face and saying, "I'm gonna do this." Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to do this. And I kept doing it, right? Graduated with, um, I actually graduated from some with education and computer science because by that point I had gone through enough computer science courses, might as well keep going, Yeah, right? So I got computer science, I got education, wound up actually, um, when I graduated, I was working in a, in a high school, being a college advisor, that was cool. And then I moved to New York where I was a school counselor for two years and then the program that I was um, in when I switched schools from that school um, realized that there was no tech program and I built the tech program up there in New York. So shout out to Explore Schools and the technology program. They're fully fledged and ready to go. That's but I was there for six years building that program. That right? is great. So, yeah, and, and this is what I'm saying. I was making money, honey. Like, like you're still, you were doing what you wanted to do. You was making it I happen. I was making money not only doing what I wanted to do, but I was so excited about my life. I was so excited about my passion and what I wanted to do. And what I noticed in my family was that their mindset literally started to change. Yeah. Right? You have, almost you know, you have to concerned. prove them. Were, at first, I made the move to when I graduated. You know, I stayed in Atlanta for a year, and then I moved to New York. They were upset about that. They're like, what? New York is dangerous. Is that? I said, listen, I'm going. Left. <laughs> yeah. Right? Lived in New York for six years. They came and visited me once. You know, they saw where I was living a little bit easier, a little bit more calm. But then they started realizing that I was handling myself and I was fine. Yeah. Right. I wasn't struggling. It, 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 I had 
period of struggle, right? But once I got my foot on the ground and really understood what adulthood looked like, I was good. Yeah. So when I made the decision to move from New York back to Atlanta, I tell my dad, and literally I told them when I moved within the next week, and my dad says, you know, you always make the risky decision. And I'd rather you not do that, but you always come out on top. So I'm good. Girl, in my dad's so, retirement wow. speech, he said, you know, Deshaya, when she, she, she's a person, if she wants to do something, she's going to put her mind to it, but she's impulsive. As soon as she mm-hmm. thinks about it, she makes a plan and she's gone. She doesn't necessarily put a lot of time into it when she wants to do something. But I felt like when he said it, he said it in a negative way. Like, you know, mm-hmm. she rushes things. But to myself, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've but done those things. I've accomplished things. People look on the outside. See, people don't understand the brain work we're already doing, right? I had, I told people when I moved to New York, this is not my permanent space. I'm coming here to do something, right? I'm coming here to advance myself in a way. And when I feel like I'm I'm good, I'm gonna leave. Yeah, yeah. When <laughs> I went back moment. to grad school, I said I'm getting in and out. I'm not gonna be staying here. I'm moving to Orlando. Yep. I went I went back. I I put in a two weeks notice on a Friday. Um, that after those two weeks went through, I moved out of my apartment on Friday, started work on Mondays, went to school the last semester. They was going to be like one or two more classes that they wanted me to stay one more semester for. I said, I'm not signing a whole nother lease for two classes and paying tuition. Can I add this on? They're like, we wouldn't suggest this. I said, but can we do it? Yeah. My whole cohort decided to do that as well. And Mm -hmm. I got a job in March. I went to job fair in Orlando. I graduated on a Friday and started work on a Tuesday. I was not playing. I did what I said I was going to do. And people would be like well you didn't know i don't want to do this when i make up my mind i want to do something let me do it here while it's on my mind while i've done but the that work. become that goes back to our conversation on character right i understood just like you understand how to maneuver in your life if you've got something that you want to do you set your goal out to, it's that determination that perseverance just is going to happen Right. There is no, it can't fail because I said I'm going to do it. Yeah. yeah. And realizing (laughs) that when you're living in your manifestations, because I think even for myself, I can say that I had kind of got down on myself like, oh, I don't want to be here anymore. This is not what I want to do. I want to get to Atlanta. I want to move here. I'm by myself. I don't have any friends and family here. And it's just like, I like my alone time, but I still want to have that support system. And I was starting to feel sad about where I'm at and being, but then I was like, you know what? This is what you said you wanted. You 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 went to school like you said you were, and you said you're going to get it done in two years, and you did it in two years like you said you were. You moved to Orlando. You got you went to this job fair. You got a job. You did all of these things that you said you were going to do. So be a little bit more grateful for the things that you do have that you said that you want to do and that you've accomplished. You know, give kudos to yourself. I think that sometimes we're so tough on ourselves that we're never we don't take a moment to just be like, well, where am I right now? And isn't this what I wanted before? Isn't this what I said I wanted? So maybe this sure. means that I can get what I want later because and I've seen it happen. On my, on my channel a lot, give yourself some grace. Like, like you made it a long way. You're definitely not the same person that you were when you first started. Give yourself some grace. Give yourself all the flowers, even if no one will, right? Yeah. Last night I went out and I celebrated myself. You understand? Yeah. Like, I went to go celebrate me because everyone, all honey, you already know, all my friends got kids. Yeah. You know, <laughs> they got kids or they're in, you know, they're married or in long-term relationships. So I can't get to them like we used to when we were younger, right? But I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and I'm going to celebrate myself because I've accomplished so much. I've accomplished so much. And I had a blast. Me and, you know, my homeboy wound up showing up a little bit later. But I said, you know what? What if I had sat here in my own emotions and did not 
go out because no one wanted to go out with me. Yeah. Right. Or no one had the ability. Stop needing to do other it. people. Now, now I'm beating myself up and oh, woe is me and I don't have any friends and you know I've done so much but no one wants to celebrate with me. Yeah. No, I'm gonna give myself the flowers because guess what? I did that. Yeah. Be comfortable <laughs> taking that. yourself on a date, but you know how it. People, when I be like, oh, I take myself on a date to the movies, they're like, what? And I'm like, I don't, we're not even supposed to be talking in here anyway. Why can't I take myself on a date? But some people are like, well, that just looks weird. I'm like, well, don't look at me. You know? But that's something that's, that's harder than people realize to just be comfortable with yourself to not need other people. And sometimes I think even your own family, they have a hard time accepting, like, maybe I just don't want to be bothered. Like, it's nothing against you. I just need some me time. I'm okay with celebrating myself, doing things for myself, by myself. Right. And everyone needs to have that, that confidence and that know-how to be comfortable within, within themselves, right? Going back to that self-awareness, self-management. If you, if you feel more comfortable around other people than you do in your own space, therein lies the issue. Yeah. Because you're not always going to have other people, but you will always have you. Yeah. So you bother yourself that much, you can't sit in silence. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you're but so I think that as a society... People have been conditioned that you can't be happy by yourself. You need other people to be complete, to be full, to be whole. You need to have, whether, even though you should be whole, it should be 100, 100, not 50, 50. And I didn't always think that. I was a 50, 50 person, but now I realize it does need to be 100, 100. We both need to be whole before we can help out each other. But I think that society lives in a world where it's like you need a child to complete you or a spouse to complete you or you're not whole. But it's like... I could be content living my best life without either of those. And I don't feel like I'm lacking, but because you feel like I'm lacking, we're always bumping heads. Right. Right. That definitely. Absolutely. You know, um, the more that we, the more that we talk and the more that we get into, you know, self-preservation, right. And, and that's a huge topic that we, as you know, our community need to think about Yeah. how to preserve ourselves throughout all of this. Right, and how do we not allow aspects of our character or our personality to be tainted by the actions of others? Yeah. Right. So, even when it comes to like family, right, because that's that's a heavy topic, especially thinking about you know remaining who you are in conjunction with who your family believes you should be. Yeah. Um, I remember hearing statements from my parents like um, I was told once that they did not want me to come home at certain times because my siblings acted like me or excuse me excuse me what was the what was the statement the, the statement was uh your siblings see what you're doing and they think it's okay yeah i've been told that before too when i went to therapy one time one of the th- what what the therapist asked i said every time that they do something i get in trouble too like if they talk back it'll be like see they talking back because you always yeah. talking back you all, and i'm like so even when i'm not in trouble i'm still in trouble still in trouble bro i wasn't even there i'm, I'm like i'm, I'm <laughs> sitting here quietly not saying a word and i'm in trouble for something I listen there's been times that my parents have called me you need to talk to your sister you need to talk to your brother because they doing and you know what this is your fault i'm like whoa 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 you called me i don't even live there seriously <laughs> what i said how is this my fault that she decided to be a teenager yeah. Right, like how is this my fault that he decided to do what kids do? 
don't. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly telling my parents, I'm like, well, most teenagers would do that. It's like, no, I just don't understand. It's like, are you that far removed from your childhood that you forgot the sneaky things you did as a kid? Well, let's let, let's let's take a look back. Let's let's take take a uh, let's take <laughs> a trip we down. Pulls up presentation. Let's Your take a trip down. Used to do X, y, Z. Yeah, I think it was so crazy. I'm like, I. I am not going to be a prudy parent. I'm going to be laughing. Like, you know, I have teachers. I work in education. Teachers will be emailing parents because their kid farted in class. I was like, I guess I'm immature because I'm laughing. And I'm like, I'm you know, yeah. like, so it's like certain things that just don't even matter. It's, 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 it's so crazy. Like we, it's, 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 it's so crazy. And it's so crazy how we have so much in common. And I know I'm like, dang, we're an hour in. And I said I was only going to take 15, 20 minutes. Oh, you're perfectly fine. I'm going to tell you something about divine intervention, though, because you don't know this, right? Your name is, is Shy. The first time when I got your, your message, it just said Shy. I have a nonprofit called Safe Haven Incorporated, affectionately known as Shy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So when I saw it, I was like, Who's telling my name? I ain't even really done no work yet. Oh my god! See, and that's because my name is Deshaya. Yeah, and yeah. so I'm like, okay, Shy is quick and easy, and then my shot, my how my name is spelled D A S H I Y A, and so people always uh -huh. try to put S H Y, but I'm like, no, I have an I right there. So I spell such a divine connection because I'll, I'll tell you, your name is what caught my eye, right? Not even what you said. Your name is what caught. I said, Shy. Shy, wow. That not that nonprofit that I have moved back to get started. <laughs> now that I feel like I am so fully knowledgeable now. Here she go. That is Good amazing. That is so, amazing. I'm so glad that we are connected and now we're wrapped in for life, honey. <laughs> yes. I'm like, I'm meeting so many new homegirls all yes. over. <laughs> all over. I'm like, this is so cool. This is so cool. But yeah, it's like in a talking to you, it's like we're a mirror of each other. So many of the same experiences. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast. Because I think in allowing people to understand and when people have reached out to me after I've talked to them, they're like, oh, you know, I felt comfortable and I enjoyed it. And it's like, I want people to be able to feel that. I want them to feel like we're just having a girl's night and we're sipping wine and we're talking. And in that, you're able to kind of check your check yourself and reflect on yourself from hearing what we went through, what we've experienced. And maybe you'll say like, oh, yeah, I went through that, too. Oh, I was a military kid, too. And that happened with me, too. And, you know, just being able to experience, dang, you know, I didn't realize how maybe that did play a role or, you know, just right, right. checking yourself throughout the interview. And it's just like talking to you makes me feel like this is it's going to go great because I'm able to have these conversations. And I said 15, 20 minutes, but in most of my interviews, they have went 30 minutes or more because the conversation yeah. has just been able to just flow and flow and flow and just keep on going and piggybacking off of what we have learned. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You're doing a good job. This is amazing. Thank you. Um, thank I'm glad you. that you reached out to me. I'm glad to actually be here and speak to the people about this. And whenever you need me back, you know, just let me know. And I will come back and definitely plug you with all the massive things that I'm doing. Yes, uh, definitely, like definitely. So go ahead and give any advice to the people that you would like to give to them. And then shout yourself out with all your businesses, social media, and I will make sure that I attach that to your episode. For sure, I appreciate that. Just want to let everyone know to give yourself grace, but also hold yourself accountable. Right. You cannot place all these issues on yourself, but the world is not your issue. The world may be the thing that's causing you or the catalyst for you to take a deeper look within self. The only person that you're able to change or affect, the only person's emotions you are responsible for, the only assignment that you have is you. Mm. 
okay? Because I, you know, I've been hearing this. Oh, that's my assignment. That, that. No, it's not. No, it's not. No one has been placed on this earth to be your assignment. You are not a god, okay? People are placed in your life so that you can learn, experience, grow, maybe teach you something or you teach them something, but you are not their finished product. They don't have to check in with you when they are fully done. Yeah. Right. So allow people to grow the way that you are allowed to grow. And like I said, give yourself some grace. Um, my name is Kayla Life, affectionately. Right? <laughs> um, and I am in the business of expression. So I moved back to Atlanta to um, start my business and brand development business. But I have a whole bunch of other stuff that I do. I have publishing services. Um, I do T-shirt designs. But my um, I am catered to the neurodivergent business owners. You know, those that, you know, are super gifted and want to capitalize off their talents or you have ADHD like me <laughs> you're all over the place. Um, or, you know, if you just need some kind of help, especially black women out here, please, please, please reach out to me. There's so many resources to, uh, to give you on that pathway to freedom. Um, my website is kksq.org. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok um, under kcandersquare. That's K-A-Y-K-A-N-D-O-R-S-Q, kcandersquared for twice the expression and double the honesty. Thank you so much, Shai, for inviting me. I really appreciate this. It's been great. Thank you for joining. I hope to hope you back, have you back soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed listening, please be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms at Good Vibe Shy for all podcast updates. Remember to love and be gentle to yourself and keep those good vibes flowing.